Hey, everybody, and welcome to the American Citizens Podcast. My name is Gray, and I'm joined today by Joe Bailey. Welcome, Joe. Good afternoon. Um, and what we're going to talk about today is the Post Barca Podcast. Um, and City lost 4-0. We know that much. But I would argue that they played fine for the first 50 minutes, and that's what we're going to get into first, the performance. I thought we... We have played Barca four times under Pellegrini. This was the fifth game against Barca in sort of the Champions League era, I guess you would call it. For 50 minutes, the entire first half and the start of the second, I thought they were deserved to be on that pitch, which at times I did not feel that was the case in the past. So I want to start with what you made of the performance, because the scoreline obviously does not show well. It doesn't look good. Um, but... There were some things involved in, in, in bringing that about. So I wanted to get your thoughts on the performance overall, um, particularly. How did you feel we were doing at the start? And the, I guess just reflect on that, if you would. We played so well. <laughs> in the, before Bravo was sent off, we held our own. We were absolutely fantastic. Um I, I thought Pep um, got the tactics spot on. We'll we'll go into that a little bit later. But we held our own, particularly in the first half, played really well. Um, we seemed to be pressing. We seemed to be causing Ter Stegen problems. We were causing um, a few of their defenders problems at the back as well. Um, we seemed to really hold our own on the ball. Uh, Sterling in particular stood out. Silva had a good first half. Um, and despite Nolito and De Bruyne not really being in the game for a lot of it, we did um, play well in the midfield. Um, this was one of the... This was the most disappointing results and scoreline of the season so far, I'd say, just because of what could have been. Um I mean, you saw the the opening parts of the game and you saw what we could have achieved in that game just because of how we were set up, what we were making Barcelona do. It's not often that a team can go to the new Camp and uh, dictate the way Barcelona play the ball, and we were doing that for a time. Um, so it was so difficult to watch when Fernandinho unfortunately slipped and Messi put us uh, uh, one down. And um, from there, it was uphill, obviously, but we still held our own. And then the Bravo Red finished it off. But, I mean, to summarise, we weren't as bad as the scoreline reflects. I wouldn't call us unlucky because they were our mistakes that led to us losing the game. So um, it was a fair result in that respect, but... It's just frustrating because the performance was there, so the result the result could have been there so easily. Yeah, I have no complaints over the uh, the scoreline um, or anything like that. Um, my complaints are, like you said, there were several players that played well. It was when when you watch the Celtic game in the Tottenham game, you just they weren't at the races for parts of it, or the Celtic game they didn't have the midfield under control. Um, this was different. They just, they never felt, 
like they were really out of control during the first half. There were obviously giveaways were the big thing. You can't give the ball away to a team like Barcelona or you're going to get killed. There's no two ways about that. So the, the fact of the matter is the, it's they were very error prone. I know the next question that we're going to talk about is tactically. I thought Guardiola got it spot on. I thought he had it um, for the, for at least when they were at 11 on 11. I agree. Yeah. Um, but it's it's Fernandinho, you know, those things are going to happen. And it was obviously terrible timing for it to happen. Um, but it's I, it's hard for me to sit here and be like, <clears throat> really, you know, upset at him, just frustrated. I'm sure he is as frustrated as anyone else, <laughs> because if he doesn't slip there, he makes the clearance and and they don't they don't score. I mean, that's not to mistake this for Barcelona not looking threatening. They did when they had the ball, but City not were the, deal, they sorry. were dealing with the threat very well. Yeah, I mean. Not many teams can say that. I mean, I as a fan, when Barcelona were on the ball, I didn't necessarily feel threatened. There are obvious, obviously times when Messi and Neymar got the ball and they were running at our fullbacks, and I thought, well, they could create a chance here. But that's Barcelona. That's one of the best teams I've ever seen and may ever will see. So um, you got you've got to expect those sort of things, but. Generally speaking, when they had the ball in the midfield, because of the way we were set up with Fernandinho sitting in and then Gundogan, who I thought had a pretty stellar game, to be honest, um, and then Silva, who pressed fairly well, pressed much better than he has done previously, um, I, th- I thought we were very compact and I thought that we had it spot on, like you said. I thought the tactics were spot on. Um, obviously... Um, the fullbacks <laughs> remain an issue. Um, I, I thought they could have been a lot worse last night. I was expecting worse, if I'm honest. I hate to be pessimistic, but when we line up with Zabaleta and Kolarov with zero pace whatsoever against Messi and Neymar, um, I'm going to fear the worst. And they weren't great. They were shaky at times, but they weren't necessarily the root cause of our problems throughout the game. Um, but in terms of the lineup, we we got that spot on. I think the omission of Aguero is one that's hotly talked about, particularly in the media now. We've lost; they're always going to talk about that. Um, but I I stand by his selection. I think he made the right call in dropping him. Yeah, it's it's like I said. I think that the the I don't think the formation works the same way if you put Aguero up top. I think that was actually a big part of it. Um, and that's not to say that Aguero doesn't fit in the team or anything like that, but um, I think we've always said that that in, there are going to be situations where Guardiola is going to have to make tough decisions, particularly in big games, and you're going to look and see um, a situation where guys are going to get dropped because there's a lot of good players in, on this team, and some are going to have to start on the bench. Now, I don't think we ever quite expected Aguero would be one of the victims of that sort of thing, Um I think in previous podcasts, we kind of talked about the possibility of it being silver or something like that. But I I think that, and I will, I openly admit right here, right now, when I saw the team sheet come out before the game, I thought, oh God, this is, this is another (laughs) one of those, one of those games that he's just overthought it all. And, and, and we're going to get slaughtered because of it. Like you think of how he left Mueller out of the, out of the, uh, the game against that Atletico last season for Bayern Munich. 
and you think, oh God, he's doing it again. He's, he's, he's overthought the whole thing. But then they came out and played and I thought, you know what? He's got it right. And for better or worse, he, he does have it right. And, you know, I kind of wondered how Aguero would take it. Um, Guardiola. Absolutely well. Yeah, Guardiola said take it fine. You know, that might just be press speak or it might not be, but I'm willing to take it at face value for the moment. Um, but that's, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it, it's so frustrating to play well like that and then just have it all come undone because not through no fault of your own, but through things that no tactic could really prevent. You know, it, it was, there's, it's not like Fernandinho needed a tactical instruction to not fall over. And it's not like Bravo needed some sort of tactical instruction. Obviously there's inherent risk in playing the way city do, but um, it's not like this tactical thing, like don't screw that up. It's just, you, you have to not screw that up. It's, you, yeah. you have to not screw that up and you cannot give the ball away to Barcelona because that's where almost all of the problems started. One final thought on the Aguero omission. Um, unfortunately, over here, we have to deal with um, BT Sport Broadcasting, all of our uh, Champions League football. Um, and so we had um, our co-commentator was Steve McManaman, and he said almost every five minutes, I'd say, um, when we got the ball and we eventually gave it away on the final ball, uh, he said, quote, oh, they're really missing Aguero. Aguero would have ran into the box then and scored the goal, blah, 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 blah. And yes, we, we had a problem last night in that we seemed to get to the byline. We seemed to get down the wing through Nolito, through Sterling, through De Bruyne, uh, put in a ball and it just went to a Barcelona defender who cleared. There was definitely a consistent problem throughout the, uh, that game. Um, but... I think of Aguero as a striker, and I question whether he would have made a significant difference. Aguero's never been a poacher, per se, as a striker. So, And a lot of the time, when he's he's getting ready for a ball to come across, um, he's not running towards the goal. He's often hanging back like De Bruyne did last night, like Silva did when the ball was coming in. So he wasn't necessarily. We didn't necessarily miss him with the the getting on the end of the balls coming in. So I have to respectfully disagree with BT as I do with almost everything they say. Um, <laughs> so um, I, I think we missed at times a striker that would uh, get in in and around the six yard box like Paul Dickoff would back in the day. Um, or Sean Gota, for example. But Aguero isn't that striker anyway. Ian Acho is more of a striker like that. Um, so we didn't necessarily miss Aguero um, as part of those problems. My retort to that would be that was also a problem against Everton at the weekend too, I thought. And I know Aguero didn't start that game either, but like you said, Ian Acho was involved and Aguero did come on early enough to make a difference. And it was seemed to be a problem then. It was just no one was really getting forward enough. And that was, that's, it seems to be not just that game is what I would say. Yeah. To that. So, so I think that there are certain aspects they missed Aguero, but you know, we've had a, a fairly consistent problem in the last few years. Um, 
of just not getting enough men in the box, I think, um, when we break away or when we have the ball out wide. Um, and particularly not getting people uh, very close to goal. We have a lot of people who tend to favour uh, just checking their run and hanging back and hoping for the ball to be um, brought back to them on the edge of the box for them to then finish. But um, we've never really had a player, uh, certainly in recent years, that w- is willing to make those uh, runs to the near post or back post when we've needed them at times. Yeah, and you know, I think that there, that's why there's there's part of always been part of a desire. Remember, it's not that long ago we had that that four striker, you know, the the nightmare formation that, with Aguero <laughs> and Jacko and Tevez and Balotelli. Yeah, we've come a long way down from that actually, and we don't, you know, as great as Nacho has been, there are, he's still so young that there are times that he sort of drifts in and out, and it's, it's still sort of a process of establishing himself as a consistent striker on this level. Obviously, Aguero is Aguero. We know that. But this year in particular, they've left themselves with so few other options. Obviously, Bonnie wasn't the solution when they had him. So I think that's part of why there's something of a hunger from some fans to get another striker in who is more direct, I guess, is a, a word I would use, who does sort of poach goals and score the garbage goals and... If Josh was here, uh, he would say it. So I'm going to say it anyway. Obama Yang. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Our favorite. It did come up last night. I yeah. Think. Oh yeah, and it's, it's worthy. It's worthy. You know, I was. We we talked about it in the last podcast. I said I don't know. It would be a luxury signing, but you know, there is. I share and I get the desire to sign a player like that. If I would yeah. maybe skew younger or something like that, if there is a type of player like that younger, I don't know. That will be available. I don't know, but I, I get a, a wait and see on Gabriel Jesus as yeah, well. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, because obviously, at the moment, he's well it, for Brazil. He's he's kind of been playing as a striker, but also has been put wide left at times domestically as well. Um, then he's kind of featured in a false nine position at times. So, um, but Pep doesn't really um, take those sort of things into account if he fits a way in which Pep sees fit, then Pep will put him there. And that could be a more poacher-like strike. He's certainly got the finishing attributes for it. Yeah, I I agree completely. And I think that's the wild card that we sometimes, I guess, forget about in this instance, um, is, is that they are bringing him in in January. And that might add another yeah. another dimension that we're, we're not considering. But yeah, I think that has been... A, a big problem with our attack, you know, we've, we've heard all the talk about, you know, or the final ball is missing or the final ball wasn't quite there, um, which is true. But sometimes there's also no one on the end of the final ball. <laughs> yeah, and that's I think that was that was true yesterday uh, against Barca. And it's been true for a couple other games as well. Um, and I think that the, the, they need someone who's able to sort of get in there and score those. I guess those poachers' goals. Those, yeah. I guess in in, the, in American parlance, you might call them garbage goals. Like like <laughs> Thomas Muller was so good at that for Bayern Munich. Oh yeah, he's great. He, at he doesn't he doesn't have a Muller here. So yeah. well, uh, we have been doing fairly well this year, and I think it was certainly Pep's influence. Is our wingers have been at times uh, inside forwards in that they will 
make the effort to make that run, that striker's run into the box. My mind goes to the West Ham game when Sterling scored that goal, uh, the first goal, um, where he made that run from Nolito's cross and uh, hit it into the the corner of the net. And we have been making an effort. The wingers have been making an effort to do that, which has helped. And it's not as if we're lacking in goals particularly. but at times when we're playing the the better teams and chances are few and far between, like last night, um, it's always it would have been nice for someone to be just in and around the keeper, putting pressure on him. Yeah, you need you need to be clinical in games like that because you don't know how many chances you'll get, and if you don't take them, you might not another one might not come to you. Um, they had several. I thought they had the best chances of the first half. Gundogan had that really good opportunity. Oh yeah. Um, I will ask, did you think right at the end of that first half, did you think that was a penalty for handball? Oh, that's a tricky one. Um, There were a couple of factors at play because uh, his hand was definitely extended away from his body. So in that sense, you could say yes, but there's always discrepancy for for referees um, in terms of the distance from the hand and when the ball was kicked. Uh, A lot of the time, referees give a player some um, leeway if um, the player that kicked the ball against his hand wasn't too far away from him. So maybe that factored into the referee's decision. Either that or he just didn't see it. Um, I thought it was a penalty, yes. But at the same time, I'm and I'm sure you're the same, I'm certainly not going to get caught up on it because like you said, we had that Gundogan chance and then uh, I think an even better chance was the John Stones header, which was a free header. Oh yes, that was that was the best chance I thought uh, either side had in the first. I thought half. it was. I thought it was in. Uh, yeah, I know. It's just a free header coming right at the goal. You would you would put money on him to score even even from there. That yeah, that was. You felt when that didn't go in, you felt like they had just missed a huge huge opportunity because. Who knows it, how things feel if they go in one one at halftime? Yeah, it's it's just different against Barcelona. You have to get you have to get the look of the draw at times. You have to things have to go your way, and when they start not going your way, no matter how how you how well you play, um, the chances are the game will go against you as it did in the second half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we are in rough agreement on. On, on the first half. The second half, obviously, Bravo's moment of madness and everything after it was just, well, a disaster. And I, I even even say for the first <coughs> bit after Bravo got sent off, they still held their own, I guess. that It's not like they were attacking. They couldn't really. But they were holding up well and then just more mistakes, more individual mistakes, just giving giving it away. Um and that, I think, is what, what frustrates me most, because Guardiola will know, as well as anyone, if you give the ball away to Barcelona in the midfield, you are dead. You know, they're going to punish you. It's what they do. So I would think that is the most frustrating part for him. It was for me, anyway. And obviously, it just went downhill very quickly. Um even once they got to 10 on 10, because Jeremy Matthew, I don't know what he was thinking, <laughs> but I would I would only note that um, I thought the game plan was good. We said that the tactics were very good. Everything was very good, but 
you cannot play Barca 10 on 10 or even or 10 on 11 either way and no. expect to get away with it. And you cannot make that many individual mistakes and expect to get away with it. And it's just, I don't know what it is because it feels like there have been a lot of individual mistakes in the last several games that just don't. And there, that's not to say that there haven't been faults in other places, but the Celtic game, there were mistakes were made that weren't necessarily tactical, but were individual spurs. Same thing here, same thing. And I'm just like, where is this problem coming from and how do you curtail it? And it's like, have we've had this, discussion? are the players just not quite up to standard, but I'm not sure who that is because the guys making the mistakes yesterday, I would say are up to standard. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. Well, uh, well, Fernandinho and um, yeah, I would, ne- Fernandinho is up to standard. I'll say that much. For, yeah, Fernandinho. I think I, mean, I was, think Gundogan gave the ball away once, and I would I would. It was Gundogan for the very last. Yeah, goal. and I would also exempt him from that not up to standard criticism because he, um, he is. For the uh, Messi hat trick, it was De Bruyne actually. Yeah, uh, it was deep inside our own half, and then obviously we've touched on the the Bravo thing. Um, it just seemed like laziness to me, and it just seemed like we were defeated before we were defeated. I, I felt like uh, after the after Bravo got sent off, it seemed like the players knew we were going to lose, even though we weren't even playing that badly with ten men. I mean, obviously, you're it's pretty futile um, to to uh, to hope for anything when you're ten versus eleven against Barcelona, but we still weren't horrendous. Um, apart even from at, those even at that point, I thought they could salvage a respectable scoreline yeah, by the way they were we playing. Could, I thought we could take a goal, but uh, it, it was just the silly individual errors where we just seemed to switch off. And it, it's hard to uh, explain or come up with an answer to it because there is absolutely no reason for them to do it. Maybe if they're 3-0 up against uh, an average Premier League team, we might see the odd misplaced pass because we've already got the result. But... I I just I don't get it in that circumstance why there was such a a, a lapse in concentration from Gundogan from De Bruyne um, and it, it was just disappointing in that respect. Yeah, I agree completely. And let let's talk about um, let's let's deal with the elephant in the room that is Bravo because <laughs> it's been two high profile games that he has made a pretty. A, a downright damning error in now. And obviously, there's a lot of, t- you know, the Joe Hart joke started flying fast and furious on Twitter immediately after he was sent off. Um, and it's, it's just, it's, it, it all starts where he just, he's got Suarez, I believe it was. It was Suarez, I think, right in front of him. Right, yeah. right in front of him. And he just passes it right to him. It's like, that's that's the first part where it all goes wrong. It's, what are you thinking? It's right in front of you. I don't understand how how I the other mistakes. You know, things happen. I get it. I don't understand how you can make that mistake. I think it was it it, it was just a miscontrol. I, 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 again, it's a difficult one to explain because. He obviously meant to go for. I think it was John Stones who was just to the right of Suarez. Uh, even so, he was so far out of his goal that playing a pass was always going to be risky. 
uh, even if it went well. Um, it's easy as easy for us to say, obviously, that he should have smacked it upfield, oh, but course. that's not how Pep yeah. wants to play. I think, generally speaking, with Bravo, we had to kind of expect these. And I know it's more prevalent than we perhaps would have wished for, but we we do have to expect these sorts of moments um, just because of the way we play and the fact that although Bravo is an incredibly experienced keeper internationally, domestically, he's still very new to this thing, very new to our back line. I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but it's going to happen a couple of times with the way he plays, with the way he wants to play. I personally still have a lot of faith in him as I imagine you and many other people. Yeah. Um, because I, I I saw the other um, 49 minutes, I, I can't remember how many minutes he played, um, and and he was pretty perfect, to be honest. Um, he made that reactionary save when, um, I think it was Suarez who went uh, one-on-one and he made a double save. Am I right? Is, was that Suarez? I believe so, yeah. I remember yeah. that save. And that, that was really nice. So, it was. Uh, and not to mention his usual work on the ball was really good. There was a couple of times where, um, in typical Bravo style, he was close to giving it away and it, he just made the ball out to Kolarov or whoever it was. Um, but he was doing what was asked of him and he was playing very well. He, he seemed to fit right in. So uh, these things happen and... We've got to hope that it'll become less prevalent going forward. And as he fits into our team, it's worrying. But at the same time, he's the keeper we were expecting. And he's exceptionally talented. And I think he'll be great for us still. Um, in terms of the, the Joe Hart stuff, that's just nonsense. I mean, I'd like everyone who mentions Joe Hart's name just to watch England play in the Euros. Uh, and watch him try and uh, be a goalkeeper there. And then to watch him throughout the Pellegrini era taking a goal kick and to count how many times it went straight out of play. But anyway, we're not here to talk about Joe Hart. <laughs> yeah. And I do want to make, make clear that I do still have plenty of faith in Bravo. I don't think yeah. that we're... we're I, don't, I don't want it to be misconstrued as, oh God, look what we've done. I don't want it to be construed that way because I don't feel that way. Um, I think the concern stems from the fact that it's been the two, probably the two highest profile games of our season so far that the mistakes have come in. So I think that that magnifies them and makes everything else seem a lot worse, even though there yeah. hasn't really been anything else. Um, but that I think I, I don't think he scares he scares me or anything like that. There are times, obviously, that I wish he would exert a little more control. But like you said, and like Pep has said, these things will happen, and that's just sort of a a a, a uh, consequence of playing the way that that they play that Guardiola like think, insists that they play. I like to think that Pep kind of almost expects these things to happen. Obviously, he probably does. Obviously, some mistakes can be better timed than others, but I think that Pep's attitude is: you know what, these mistakes are going to happen. There are going to be X amount of mistakes by Bravo this year. But what he brings in the other 89 minutes of a game is exceptional and will win us games regardless. So I, I think that's his attitude. And if that's his attitude, and it, to be honest, in most of the time Bravo's been 
exactly what we wanted. So I, I have no problem with him going forward because we've of that. Him, we've seen him start moves. We've seen him do everything else expected. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, you you have to take the good with the bad. It's, yeah. it's I don't think it's necessarily straight down to a single goalkeeper. I think that you're going to see this with whoever, you know, People have said Ter Stegen, whom he wanted originally, by all accounts, was his first choice. People's, you know, he looks finicky sometimes. He was obviously yeah, he did. Last night. Yeah, in the first half, when I when I mentioned earlier that we were putting him under pressure, he was feeling the pressure. You could tell he mm-hmm. when the ball was going back to him. I I don't think he wanted it at all. I think he wanted that ball well away from him. Um, we were pressing really well early on, and uh, there were a couple of really shaky moments. I thought. I thought, and although he he managed to pass his way out of it, we managed to pin them right back because of that, because he was playing the ball out almost sideways towards the corner flag to uh, either of his centre-half. So uh, if that was Ter Stegen instead of Bravo, I, I wouldn't be confident in saying that there wouldn't be those errors. They might be different errors, but I think there would still yeah. be errors. I think it's just... It is an inherently risky way to play, and that's yeah. just some sort of there's an there has to be an acceptance there that this is this is what you get, and it will pay more dividends than it will hurt in the end. Absolutely, yeah. Um, that's a good way to finish talking about Bravo. <laughs> yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't I don't know what else to add on that. Um, I know we touched on the tactics, team selection. We we, th- we thought he got it right. I said before this game that I wanted to see him pack the midfield, um, try to control the game and get at them. Because I don't think that you beat Barcelona by showing them too much respect. I think we were guilty of that in the past. Um, and to their credit, they did look like they tried to do that. And yeah. they, at, at the moments, they were successful in doing that. They just the, the Zavaleta was tucking inside us for the bonus midfielder, the, in, the inverted fullback, I guess is what you'd call it. Yeah. Um, the The... I know there was a lot of questions about De Bruyne and I guess the false nine role, but it seemed like the front three were kind of rotating and evolving as the game went on. You'd see them popping up in different places all across the pitch. Yeah, I'm not, I don't think De Bruyne had his best game. Obviously he wasn't in his natural position, so it's wrong to expect that. But at the same time, he, he could have done a little bit better at times. But, when when we were going forward, when De Bruyne and Alito and Sterling were going forward, we did look threatening. Um, the way we were playing didn't seem to detract our threat going forward at all. And Silva, because of Gundogan and Fernandinho playing deeper, we we managed to get Silva going forward, and that worked well. Um, I feel like every podcast I'm on, I end up talking a little bit about Sterling. Um, <laughs> it, that it's almost boring about how good he is, but Again, last night, people could argue that he was our best player again. Um, would would you say who would your best player be from last night? I would I would be comfortable going with that. I think, um, I think th- there were a couple of times where he he just he he obviously we know his ability running with the ball this year. Um, it's what caused Mathieu to be sent off. Um, it's what caused a lot of our chances. Um, but his ability to play the through balls as well with De Bruyne working in the, the right channel with him and breaking into the box, it seemed to really work. And 
Uh, I think we'd be talking about Sterling and De Bruyne linking up a lot more if there was an end product to De Bruyne's balls across. Um, so we've talked about a lot about Sterling in the past, but it's so important to see him play these games against the very best because he, he looks at home still. And that's so promising going forward. And he seems to have everything that you want from a winger. He, Like I said, he, he runs at people and he can now play a pass that I wasn't convinced he could do a year or two ago. Yeah, and I know that uh, Jordi Alba was obviously not fit enough to play that game, but for the first eight minutes when he was on, he was just terrorizing him. Yeah, I don't even think it would have made much of a difference because I think it was Digne. Uh, I'm not sure how you pronounce the name. Yeah. That's the best I can do. I think that's right-ish. <laughs> I know who you're talking about, so that's all we need. <laughs> but he, he's, I mean, he's a, a really good player. Obviously, he's a Barcelona player, so he's going to be. So, And he seemed to, when he came on, do a pretty good job on Sterling, like Alba was doing. But then Sterling was having his way as well, so... Uh, if I would have loved to see Alba play the full 90 versus him. Yeah, I, really. <laughs> I think Sterling would have had as good a game. He, he was that good. At, at times when he's on the ball, he can be unplayable, I think. Mm-hmm. I thought Silva was pretty good. I thought not, yeah, he, not as good. I thought he had a pretty good game, and I thought he acquitted himself well. Certainly early on, I think it was exactly what Pep was hoping for you. Yeah, I think, straight I think some of the attackers got taken out of the game, I guess I would say, once yeah. once it was down to 10. But, yeah, um, yeah uh, De Bruyne was, the final ball, I think, was was a problem. He, they were, he started really, he started to get in behind the defense at, at points and get into really dangerous positions. And there were a couple of moments where, for various reasons, it was either the ball wasn't right or there wasn't someone there for it. It just didn't, it didn't come through. Um, But I thought he kind of grew into it toward the end of the first half. He goes getting in behind and then he grew out of it a little bit again. Um, (laughs) It was kind of a a peak in a valley, in a valley, I guess. But I didn't think he was bad, but he obviously wasn't as good as he has or could have been. Um, he was doing the right things. Yeah, that's Even a very good way to put it. He was doing the right things. It's just at times on the ball, we've got such a high standard for De Bruyne. We do, so. yeah. <laughs> but at times on the ball, he could have done better. I, I particularly remember a time uh, where he he made that run into the right channel and Sterling played a great ball in. And he could have either played it across to Nolito on the far post, who was really well marked, or play it back to Silva, who was waiting on the edge of the box, who wasn't uh, well-marked at all, and he chose the former option. And then there was another uh, chance just after that where he uh, played it straight to the keeper. So I think his end product was slightly off, but you know, on another day, these things work out, particularly for De Bruyne. And it's, it's kind of promising, despite his poor, poor performance, that he was doing the right things as a false nine, so that, I mean, we know that we could still do a job without Aguero with him as that false nine, I think. I think that's a takeaway, even though he didn't have one of his best games. Mm-hmm. I would honestly say, I don't. I can look at who started and say, I don't think anyone had a bad game. I think there were people who had really, really bad moments, some worse than others. I would, Bravo had oh, the worst yeah. moments. But it, it, from a strict play perspective, I just sat there thinking, you know, he wasn't terrible um yeah. like like Gundogan I think uh, I've 
he's kind of been a little bit hit and miss so far this year. At times, it seems mm-hmm. like the the games passed him by, and obviously, it's early in his career at City, so we've got to expect some of that. But he seemed to really fit in last night um, against a really tricky uh, midfield, um, just playing ahead of Fernandinho. He destroyed PK on that chance. Oh yeah, yeah, he destroyed PK. I know PK wasn't fully healthy, but. At the same time, that's great skill, and he was really unfortunate not to finish that. Um, and and he seemed like the real deal, to be honest. Um, and then he obviously had that bad moment for Barcelona's last goal. But uh, like you said, I mean, in his in the first half, he was one of the players that really stood out to me. And seeing that, it it seems like he's, you know, a a, a real deal for us going forward in that position. Yeah, I agree completely. So, he, he, Sorry, he adds a level of completeness that De Bruyne and Silva don't have. I'm not, I, I think Silva and De Bruyne right now are much better players, but uh, his ability to do the dirty work alongside Fernandinho when we don't have the ball is uh, a great reason why he's there. Yep, I agree with that completely. Um so I, I guess the the next question is just as we do a little quick preview of the next game here, um, is 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 roughly they've gone four without a win now, which is obviously not good. There's no two ways about that. Um, two draws, two defeats. Um, in your mind, City play. Um, they play against at home against Southampton on Sunday. Um, in your mind, is this game more important now because it feels like they need a win? They need three points. They need to sort of get themselves back on that steady footing, especially since there's a derby next week. Yeah, um, I think it's hugely significant. I don't think last night's result really impacted how significant it was. I think as soon as we somehow didn't get that Everton result, um we've got to go on and and win the Southampton game. On a broader perspective, it's very significant as well. Um, the, there's a long history of, of the winners of the Premier League often have their home ground as a fortress. They barely drop points. I remember when Mancini won the league uh, first time round, the Etihad was a fortress. We we would People would come in, we'd uh, knock them over, they'd go home. That's normally how it worked. We need to have that same fortress, and we can't really afford many of those Everton games. Uh, I know it was bad luck for a lot of it, but we we need a win really badly at home in the Premier League because away games are so tough. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And I do the Mancini era; they were so. I think I think the year they won the title, they they only dropped a few points at home i remember it was ruthless yeah yeah and i know there was the sunderland game and but otherwise they were pretty much unbeatable yeah um, even against the best teams so i i i think i'm not i would never call a game must win i hate i hate hyperbole and terminology like that but at the same time i don't think they can really afford to drop points here because they've already they had an early advantage. They started so well in the league. They had that early advantage, and now it's sort of evaporated a bit. They're level on points with Arsenal at the moment. Um, so 
I, and for whatever faults Arsenal have, I mean, they're a good team. So you have to be respectful of that. But yeah, in, 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 in terms of the title race, what have you, I, I, it's too early for us to get into, well, if they don't win this game, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you're absolutely right that if they're not taking maximum points at home, pretty much every Southampton at home is a game that I think you should be winning. Um, yeah. It, it's in all due respect to Southampton, they always always feel the competitive team. That's that's never really been been, <laughs> a, been, been a problem for Southampton, but um, it's it's still on 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 the uh, on the evidence. You would still expect City to do well. And, and we don't want to we don't want to find ourselves doing a Pittsburgh Steelers, and by that I mean. The Steelers have a shocking record against some of the worst teams in the league uh, in the NFL. Um, if you look at that game against the Dolphins, I don't right. really talk about it. Um, and then they find themselves late in the season when uh, Ben Roethlisberger isn't even fully healthy. They they find themselves having to win a string of four games just to win the division and beat like the Bengals twice. We don't want to be that team. Um, and so we have to uh, Southampton are a really good team I admire how they've kept going despite Ronald uh, Koeman's departure but we these are games we have to be winning at home and I I'm confident that we will we've got Aguero presumably coming into into the team um I don't want to predict uh, the, the lineup because we've had a notoriously bad history of that, but um, <laughs> I, I imagine we could even see Vincent Company featuring a little bit. We will have a very strong team, and I'm very confident. It, it, it took a lot of luck, a lot of bad luck for us to not win an incredibly tough game against Ronald Koeman. So, with that perspective, we should be winning almost every home game in the league. Uh, I know that's a pretty high standards, but that's where we are performance wise and team wise. Um, if we don't, it's obviously not going to have drastic effects on our chances in the league or our position in the league this early. But in terms of the pressure in the media, I mean, imagine if we don't win in five games and we're going into that derby. Yeah. All the I'd rather not if, I'll, if it's all the same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Duncan Castles, amongst other pro-United writers, we don't want to have that. So <laughs> I know Pep is not someone to get manipulated or pressured by the media, but at the same time, it's something we'd rather do without. So let's get a win. Absolutely with you there. Um, I, th- I think that, um, you know, Southampton have had some, some mixed results lately. Um they 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 just beat Burnley, which you know you would you would sort of expect that. Um, held Leicester at, at, to a to a to a nil nil on the road. Um, they beat Palace in the League Cup. They beat West Ham away, but West Ham are shambles at the moment. Yeah. Um, they're a they're a well drilled side. They're a well drilled side. Yeah. Quality, you know, they have like Nathan Redmond and and Tadic and uh, Charlie Austin up front. That's a really good front three, but. If you look at the middle of the park, they don't have enough strength to match us man for man. So yeah, that's that's where you think they would be able that City will be able to win the game if they do it is is sort of in the middle. Um, yeah, 
It's and I have a ton of respect for Southampton. They're just a very, really well-run club. They they moved from from Pochettino, um, who you know a lot of clubs would have really suffered for losing. They moved to Kuman pretty flawlessly, and then they they they've played well um, under their under the new manager Claude Puel, um, assuming I'm pronouncing that one correctly. I think so. <laughs> okay, good. Um, but. But and and they they have players that you know, I think Forrester's a good goalkeeper. I think obviously the Van Dyke font back center back pairing is a good one too. Um, Tadic is still a pretty good player. You look at the guys they've got in their team, but it it's just they should be City should be winning these games, and you, there's there's no excuse. We we know that the Premier League is tough. We know that, um, and and. You just figure, and you, you figured they would win the Everton game as well, even though Everton have been in very good form. But you figure something is going to break eventually in this sort of... I don't want to call it a goal drought, because like you said, it's not that they haven't been scoring. They scored three against Celtic, but they couldn't get anything going against Spurs, and they didn't get anything going against Barcelona, and they only managed to breach Everton once. So you could, I guess you could say that after such a great run of scoring, they've kind of sputtered a bit over the last three games, you know, you feel like there's going to be a big performance coming where they put two, three, four past somebody. Um, I think so. I think that could have so easily been Everton and... Oh, yeah. Everton, obviously, you've already... You guys have talked about the penalties and the chances and... Yeah, they should have had two, three there. Yeah, and sure, and, and Everton by all accounts, in terms of manager and personnel on the pitch, are a better team than Southampton, as good as Southampton are. So with that perspective, you know, there's no reason to suggest that we can't score three or four this game. Yeah, um, and I do expect a strong team. I know he's he's going to have to. And I, we've talked about this before. I know you, we had you on and we talked about this, was we don't really know how Guardiola is going to prioritize the League Cup especially when there's a derby looming in it. So yeah. um, it's it's kind of a wild card. It's, it's something of a great unknown, how he's going to handle that with that looming. But I expect that, that we'll see a strong team on Sunday. Um, you know, I'll, I'll offer some quick thoughts on the, the derby and the League Cup um, with that said. Um, I hope he, he plays the youngsters. Uh, I hope he plays the Garcias, the Mateos, the maybe Tossin, certainly Kelechi. Um, I hope he gives Sane um, near 90 minutes. I, I know this is a derby. I know it means a lot for the fans, but honestly, talk to any City fan and ask them, do they really want to risk a lot to win the League Cup? And they'll be reluctant to <laughs> be uh, positive about that. So I, I, I think that we need to maintain perspective on what our priorities are and we can't be going in um for a hundred percent in terms of our team with the league cup no matter who we play against yeah i don't really disagree with that obviously you don't on one hand and i i I do have a follow-up for this but on one hand you don't want to, to to risk you know giving United a scalp or what have you or giving yeah. the media something to talk about but at the same time you shouldn't manage based on what the media is going to say 
And I'm he, not saying he won't, like, he won't do that. Yeah, and I'm not. I don't think you're saying you, we should like throw it or anything. But you know, yeah. a little bit of rotation, I think, is what you're saying. I, I imagine Pepplefield a fairly mixed team, but at the same time, if we get our standout youngsters on the pitch. Uh, I'm not talking about playing sort of the Brahim Diaz or Boracus yeah. Gunn or anything like yeah. that. Um, but if there's a, an element of youth in our team, that'll be really good. So we're we're fresh for the uh, the league game after, which I'm not sure who we're against. But way to West Brom. West yeah, Brom let's Chelsea. have our full team for that. The, Make the, sure the, Tony, the Tony Pulis <laughs> experience. Uh, that'll be interesting. Oh, such a joy. Yeah. Guardiola against Pulis is what we've waited our entire lives for. <laughs> um, but, but, but yeah, I, I agree with you on, on that. Um, I would like to see sort of like, a, I guess, a mixed, a mixed team. You yeah, good shouts with, with Sané and with um, uh, Ihenacho. And, you know, I wouldn't even hate to see Alex Garcia involved because... Yeah, definitely. I think he's a player that's sort of straddling that line between ready for the first team and not. And I think that would be as good a test as you're going to get for him. Definitely. Um, I think it, I think players that are sort of at that level just need more game time to determine where they are exactly. Um, and I'd love to see him play against United. I think he'll fit in just fine. I think. Uh, Josh got it right the other week when he talked about Garcia playing against Tottenham. Uh, I think Garcia right now, I'd take him over Fernando any day. Um, I, I would like to yeah. see him more, but um, yeah, particularly in the Cups, I would like to see him more. And I think um, Maffeo also mm-hmm. should play simply not because necessarily he's good enough as a youngster to, to play, even though he certainly is, but with Sanya out, we can't play Zabaleta every game, particularly with his age. He already struggles when he's playing once a week. We shouldn't be playing him more uh, a few times a week. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I would kind of use that game as something of, of, of a dress rehearsal for some younger players who might... As, this is a big game, but not a you know it's not going to determine who wins the league. It's not going to determine um, your championship fate. But you sort of use it as a staging area for some of these younger players, see how they get on in what is still a big game. And we're not diminishing that. Um, no, not at all, no. But it's it's it seems like the perfect mixture of, of an experience of throwing them into a big game that, even if it doesn't go well, is not the end of the world. Um, and you're not going to get many many games like that over the course of a season. You know the games are there are all pretty big in in the Premier League and the Champions League, so you're not going to get a let off where it's just like ah well we lost I guess it's okay. You don't get exactly. make it, you don't get those. So I I think this is the this is a good opportunity to see um, where some of these guys are at Garcia and Maffeo, and I don't know if you throw Angelino in there or what Pep's plans for Angelino are um, because. I know yeah. he's kind of been a left back by trade, but he hasn't really shown the propensity to to defend. I'm still, I still have mixed feelings about Angelino. I so guess do I, more, but... more game time will um, yeah. sort of determine what I think of him. Either way, um, for these players, I, I, I'm convinced that so many of these young players have the ability and are perfect for Pep. It's just handling the pressure for them that's the next step for them to become a regular fixture in our team and. Like you said, that game is perfect because you have you're playing against uh, a quality opposition. 
um, and you have that added pressure as well, and it, it's kind of sink or swim. Can you handle that pressure? If you can, you can play more. Yeah, I, that's that's a really good way to put it. Just sort of, you know, here's your chance, run and take it. Because I think players like that, there's sort of, I guess it's an unfair amount of pressure because they're not going to get a ton of chances because they can't, you know, you can't just throw them in there for any old game. They yeah. have to show you something when you do. So... And and we've seen things from from some of these players, so that's 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 good. Uh, obviously, Alex Garcia was really really good in that game. The, the, I think it was the League Cup Swansea game that he played in. So I'm not necess- I'm not really worried that that they're not up to it. It's just you know, show show something good and and stake your claim for further time because, um, you know, I think I I don't think that at this point between his injury problems and the lack of time he gets on the pitch, I don't think Delph is long for the club. Um, yeah. So you know, there's gonna be a void. Torre is obviously gonna be gone. There's gonna be mi- there's gonna be places to be won in the midfield next year, and while they might buy players, I'm sure you know, Weigel is still a player that they're probably looking at um, from a distance, um, yeah. if not necessarily committing to. Um, there are gonna be spots to be won, and I I would be surprised if he didn't give a young player at least a chance to stake a claim for one of those spots at, at the very least. So, yeah, I, I agree with you that, that, that you need to, 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 to sort of – you need to give them a chance and you can't do it against, like, your, the League 2 team that you're going to end up playing in some cup, even though that's not really happened yet and might not in the League Cup. But there comes a point where you need to see where these guys are at because they've, they've shown you so much at the under – at the elite in the uh, development squad level that it's just – but, you know, let's let's see let's see what you got, yeah. I guess. And we've seen how at times the low profile games such as in preseason can be a little bit false when you look at the player performances because I mean one of the big standouts was Angelino in those games. He hasn't quite hit the ground running since, so um like you said, um it'll be nice to see these players in a game that matters. Yep. All right. Do you think? Do you think we take the three points on Sunday? Yes or no? Yes, we do. Okay. Um, by two goals minimum. I also think that we take the the three points on Sunday. I just I can't see them. I don't think Pep will let them lo- drop that many points. <laughs> Not at all. It's just he knows the importance of this, and he'll 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 have them up for it and ready for it. And obviously, I think they'll want to bounce back after after the Barcelona game because I think. They probably know that they played decently. I think I don't think that will be lost on them that they played decently for a good spell that game, and they're they're gonna have something to prove, I guess. Yeah, uh, and that's what I I inferred from uh, Pep's um, post match conference. He he pretty much uh, underlined what you've just said. It was a a, a strong performance early on, and. Um, obviously you have the isolated mistakes and then once you're down to 10 men, you can't expect to get anything from the game. So Pep certainly relayed that to the players that they were matching Barcelona. And I think that we can take a great deal of confidence going into this game, despite recent performances, that we we can roll Southampton over. Yeah, I'm with you on the three points. Um, So... um, if you have any last words, feel free to share them. I think I've shared all my thoughts, to be honest. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how many. 
That's what we want here. All right. Well, um, we will be back after the Southampton game. Um, if you don't f- f- subscribe to us on iTunes, you can do that. Subscribe on iTunes. We are on there. Um, we are sponsored by Blog Talk Radio. You can follow us on Twitter if you want at America Citizens. Um, for Joe, my name is Gray. Thanks for listening. And this has been American Citizens. We will be back at you soon. Have a great weekend, everybody.